Tonight, we are going to be talking about fear and all of its nasty little derivatives, you know, things like anxiety and worry and so on and so forth. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about that. As a matter of fact, the Bible says 365 times, fear not. The phrase fear not is in the Bible 365 times. That's one fear not for every day of the year. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> okay, Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to come together. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to speak into the lives of your people. And Father, I just I, I invite your Holy Spirit here tonight, and I pray that this becomes real to us, that fear is an enemy. And I thank you and give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, if you've been alive for more than just a few minutes, then you are aware that life will give you opportunities to fear, to get into fear. Yes, you know, the financial downturn that wipes out your bank account. The wayward child that's making life decisions that could be life-threatening, or maybe you don't even know where they're at. The doctor's diagnosis that sucks the wind out of your lungs. The constant uh, news reports of floods, droughts, financial disaster, pandemics, riots, and moral decay. As a matter of fact, if you sit around watching the news for any length of time, you will get fearful. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. So I'm going to encourage you, turn that mess off and get on, your, get on, you know, get on the Victory channel, get on YouTube and look up the Believer's Voice. If you don't have that channel, find the people who are giving you the positive side and telling you what God is doing in the midst of all of this because uh, CNN, MSNBC, and all, whoever else, the Peacock and all of them, you know, they're, they're full of baloney, and they're full of bad news. Amen? Now, Luke 21, 26. Let's throw that up there real quick. They'll probably have it up there before I get there, because that's the way it goes. <laughs> it says, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. The Bible says that in these last days, men's hearts, literally, men's hearts are going to fail them. People will be having heart attacks from the fearfulness of the things that are coming. But listen, listen, that's not supposed to be us. That's not supposed to be you and me. Amen? Amen. We just witnessed this to a small degree uh, with, the, with the recent pandemic situation. We just witnessed people absolutely losing their mind with fear over the pandemic, and we saw the, the, just that one little thing right there. We saw the sort of moral decay, if you will, that came from that, from just that. Your Bible's full of things that are going to happen in the last days, and if we can see what happens just in that little instance right there, you can only imagine when we start seeing some of this stuff that's a little bit bigger, the stuff that's in your Bible, and I'm not here to scare everybody tonight. The idea is to help you get out of fear. <laughs> so I'm not going to go read all of that right now. But, uh, you know, we have to get a handle on this. Yes. And like I said, everybody has to deal with this at some point in their life, right? Now, let's, let's give the definition of fear. The, Bible, the, the, the definition of fear is the feeling of fear is a negative emotion 
caused by a real or perceived threat to our well-being. Now that's the dictionaries. Uh, that's their, their, their definition. But let's look at 2 Timothy 1.17. It says, but when he arrived... Mm, nope, that ain't the right one. Let's try 1 Timothy 1.17. But God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Okay, that's the verse we're looking for. I don't know. I ditched out and gave her something else, but not her fault, mine. <laughs> okay, so, so God says, while the, while the dictionary describes it as an emotion, and it is an emotion, it's affecting your emotions, the Bible says that it's a spirit. Yes. And it says that it did not come from God. So my, my question for you then is if it's a spirit and it did not come from God, where did it come from? Yeah, yeah, it came straight from hell. Now, everything that's of the devil is here to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy, and destroy, right? So it, it, it's not okay. It's not okay that we just let that, let that dwell in our hearts, dwell in our imaginations, amen? Um. As a matter of fact, anything that you spend time uh, holding in your mind, and, and, and let me just put it this way, fear becomes misplaced worship. Yeah. Good. It becomes misplaced worship. What do I mean? If you go over in Judges, we're not going to turn there. I didn't give her this. I'm just going to give you the, the synopsis of it. But in Judges 6, uh, chapter 6 and verse 10, uh, the verse says this. We're, this. This chapter here, they're talking to Gideon. It was Gideon, but, but I want you to see this part of it. It says, and I said to you, he's talking to the children, the Israelites, and he says, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in, in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. And then you get over to chapter 10, and you see verse 6, and you can go read that, and you find out that, that the children of Israel are now worshiping the gods of the Amorites. Yeah. What happened? What happened? They gave their thoughts to it. They gave their mind to it. They, they thought about it and dwelt on it. And the next thing you know, they had imaginations, and imaginations led to actions. Yeah. Yeah. Right? We know the story of Job. Everybody's familiar with that. That's a Christian. Um, you know, you anything, let me say this before we go to Job. Anything that you are willing to obey above what God has said to you, although you don't have, an, you don't have a statue and you don't go bend your knee, you don't go and say, oh, I worship you. But the fact is, is that any emotion or anything that you are willing to obey but over what God has said, let me put it like that. Anything that you're willing to obey over what God has said has now become your idol. That has become worship. And that means your feelings. Do you know how many people obey their feelings over the word? There's a lot of them. There's a lot of people that say, yes, I know the word says, but. Well, I know God said that in his word, but. But I feel. But you don't know how I feel. But they hurt my feelings. But you don't know what they did. 
Do you know, now this is going to just throw you off for a moment, but just think about it. The person that you won't forgive is the person that you have now idolized. That's a good point. Because you hold what that person did to you in higher esteem than the word of God and obeying the word of God. You, 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 you have given them this power in your life. And fear is the same. Any emotion I have, be it unforgiveness, fear, anything that I am willing to obey it as opposed to something that God has said in the word has now become an idol. Now, we're familiar with Job. I was about to go there, so let's go. Let's, go, let's talk about Job. We know that Job, uh, he, was, he was fearful. If you go read the story of Job, it talks about how that um, he was making sacrifices day and night because he was worried that perhaps his sons uh, or his children had done something that would offend God, and therefore God would remove his hedge of protection from him. And so he went and he made sacrifices day and night because he was afraid of this. And then we find over in Job 3, 25 and 26, uh, Job says, The thing that I feared greatly has come upon me. The thing that I feared greatly has come upon me. I heard this story one time. This is interesting. I I heard this story one time, and I don't know why these people were... There was a guy, I think he was supposed to be like a... He he had something to do with the railroad, like management or something. Anyway, he's out, he's looking at the cars. He's inspecting the, the rail cars. And he's there with a friend. And they come to this freezer car. And it's in the evening, and there they are dressed in their suits, and they get inside of this freezer car because they're checking it out that are hooked to the train, right? Well, some other employee comes along, slams the door, and locks it. One of the guys sits down and is very calm. The other guy starts to panic. He's panicking. He's like, I'm going to freeze to death. We're going to freeze to death in here because, you know, it's a freezer car. And so he's in such a panic that he's, he's, he's literally shivering while the other guy is sitting over there fine. This is a true story. I'm not, this wasn't a made-up story. And this guy, long story short, he writes a, a note. He's writing a note to his family and whatever. He's saying goodbye. And come morning, when they came and let them out of that car, that man was dead. Here's the ironic thing. Nobody turned the freezer on. The other guy was alive. And when they checked that guy, you know what they found? He died of hypothermia. What? How did that happen? I'll tell you how. Because that thing, that, that fear got a hold of him so greatly, it got into his imagination, which is made in the image of God, as we all are. He took that thing into his imagination, and it became absolutely real, and his body responded. Yeah. And literally, he froze himself to death with his imagination. Ooh. So... What about, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. We're going to talk about anxiety and worry because I know a lot of people think, oh, I can't help it. I have to, I, I'm a worrier. No, no, you can help it. We'll talk about that. 
Fear is basically just perverted faith sent to get you off track. That's what it is. When I, I, you know, this is funny. My husband's here and he can attest to this. But when I was a teenager, um, I I was in the Baptist church and I was in the choir, you know. And then eventually I started singing with the pastor's daughter. Well, that choir director had this idea that that he simply had to get me to do a solo song. Okay, that was just what he, it was his mission. And he just was, "You, you should do a solo. You don't need to sing with Deidre. You could also do some stuff, blah, 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 blah. So I finally caved to that. And I got up there, and I literally was so terrified, I thought I would faint and fall off the stage. I was so horrified and terrified, I literally was, well, I never got up by myself again after that, until, until, (laughs) until we started going to the Baptist church over here. I mean, it had been years. I would sing, I would sing duets, I would sing in the praise band, I would sing, but I was not getting up there by myself. It wasn't happening, okay? And so... We go to this other church, and we, I invite this friend of ours, and she starts coming, and, and, and she's uh, in the choir with me, and her and her husband had been uh, traveling singers, like they would go around and, and sing at different places, but, but that choir director gave her this song, and she took it home, and she tried to sing it, and she's like, oh, no, this is way too high for me, and so she goes back and tells that choir director, he, she says, oh, no, I can't sing this song, but I'll tell you who can. Teresa can sing this song. I mean, she just threw me right under the bus. She didn't ask me. She didn't talk to me. Nothing. And so on a Sunday morning, Keith Barton, that was the choir director, he walks up to me. He says, hey, T. He says, um, I hear that uh, Mo says that you can sing this song. Here you go. I, I reach out, take the tape. It was tapes. And he says, by the way, I'd like you to sing that in a month. Walks around, And I'm like, I, 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 what? I'm like, no, I don't think I can do that. He says, oh, sure, I think you can. I'm like, no, I, I, I really don't think I can. He says, well, I want you to take it home and try. I'm like, okay, but I'm telling you I can't do this. I, I, you know, not that I couldn't sing the song. It wasn't that I couldn't sing the song. It was the whole thing about getting up there that I was like, I'm not doing this. I've done this before. What was I afraid of? I was afraid of the fear. I had fear of the fear. Yes, I had fear of feeling the fear. Listen, why do you think Satan sent that? To get me to be fearful to be in front of the people. Listen, sometimes the very thing that you're fearful of has something to do with your calling in life. True story. See, he would have loved to have me sit down and shut up. Right? Now, I got up on that Sunday. Oh, well, first of all, first of all, let me tell. (laughs) We got up on that Sunday, and I'm like, Jerry, I'm not going to church. He's like, he's like... (laughs) He's like, T, what are you talking about? You got to go to church. Uh, you know, you're, you're singing. I'm like, I know, I can't. I'm not doing it. I'm like, he's like, well, they're counting on you, babe. You can't just not do it. I mean, I am just like, oh, I can't. I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. And he's like, you, you, you got to do it. And I said, okay. He's like, what are you going to do? Just not show up and just, and, and he said, you're going to lie to him, call him and lie. I said, no. I said, I'm just not going to call him. I'm just not going to show up. And he said, well, what are you going to do after that? I said, we'll find a different church. <laughs> true story, is it not? <laughs> My husband's back there. True story. We'll just go to another church. We're just leaving this church. I am not doing this. <laughs> I mean, I've been there for already for several years. I'm like, well, we're quitting. We're, we're done. 
And my husband's like, T, you're going to be just fine. I'm like, huh, yeah, easy for you to say, Mr. Pew Sitter, back there. <laughs> so we get up there. And do you, have you ever listened to somebody who's terribly nervous when they're singing? Yep. What usually happens is their voice is like, oh, I mean, you know, you, you're like, oh, dear, painful. You know, you're, you're, you're feeling the pain for them because you're like, yeah, I know, that's horrible. That's a horrible feeling. I get it, sister. But, you know, the odd thing was is literally I was standing up there. I had to take my other hand and hold my hand because I was trembling so bad. The, 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 the hem of my dress was just, but my voice was as strong and clear as the day is long. Why? Because I took the step and did it anyway, even though I was fearful, and because Satan was fighting against something that was part of my calling, and God strengthened me because I was willing to do it afraid. Well, I wasn't really willing, but I got pushed into it. (laughs) I did it afraid. But the funny thing is, is that people all around me reinforced that fear because people have some really crazy ideas about fear. I heard everything like I would say. I said something to the pastor. I'm like, I'm just so, I'm always so scared because he wanted me to sing for everything. I mean, I sang for all kinds of stuff. I finally got okay with that. But in the beginning, it was like, oh, man, you know, Christmas, when you got all the visitors, you're like, no, I don't want to do that. And if I mess up, everybody's here. You know, I'm just like, oh, I can't. I got comfortable with that. But you know what, he, what, what, what I heard over and over when I would talk to people? Over and over, people would say dumb things like this. Well, that fear is sent to keep you humble. That way you don't get a big head because, you, you know, you're a singer or you're whatever, okay? Um, I also heard that um, um, the fear uh, was to teach me, uh, how did she put it? The, the, the fear taught me um, to lean into God, basically, was what she was saying, was teaching me dependence on God. I'm sorry, I'm the speaker, and my phone is dinging. Like, really? Okay, sorry about that. That's how come my phone's always turned off, just so y'all know. Things just like this. Okay, stop dinging me. Praise Jesus. Okay, so, so, you know, I, I finally, finally, finally got into this church and heard the fact that, that fear was a spirit. Yeah. I'm like... Of course, that's been there all the time. I've read it, but for some reason, I read it like that's a spirit, my spirit. You know, like I wasn't seeing it as a spirit from the enemy. I was seeing it like that's the spirit that I have. You, I, do you understand what I mean? And, and, and Pastor got up, and I don't even know what he was preaching about, but at some point, he brought that scripture to life. Well, honey, I grabbed onto that. I grabbed onto it, and I started saying, I do not have a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. A sound mind. I had to stand against that. I had to stand against that, right? Now, I was looking. If you think this is, this is something, listen, the devil will get you afraid about anything. I'm talking anything. I, I'm going to challenge y'all when you get home, get your phone out and just, you know, hit your little Google voice thing and say list of phobias. And from A to Z, they'll give you so many phobias that people have, you will be shocked. You're going to go, what in the world? So I did that. I read one. 
<laughs> I kid you not, this is on there. I forget what it was, agoraphobe, angoraphobe, or something or other. It's the fear of air. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I'm not joking. Go look for yourself. There is a phobia that people have to air. How can you be afraid of air? You've got to breathe. What do you do? Walk around, hold your breath all the time? I've never even, I'm like, are you joking? And here's another one for you, a fear of flowers. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, it's a flower. Help. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, somebody rescue me. There's flowers outside. I can't go out there. You know, what in the world? Yes. Tell me that's not demonic. Yes, that is demonic. It's totally demonic. It's ridiculous. Absolutely. But this is what I want to say to you. The devil makes you ridiculous. Yeah. He makes you ridiculous. Absolutely. He ties you up in bondage about the stupidest things, things that God has taken care of for you. Amen? Absolutely. Now, I had an aunt who I don't, I, I, I know I met her like once or twice, but not, not very often. And the reason I didn't meet her was because she had a fear of leaving the house. She wouldn't leave her house. You've all heard of that one. And so here's my uncle. This was my mom's brother. And listen, they had kids. And he was, they were young. They were probably in their 40s at the time she, you know, developed this weird fear of leaving her house. Um, she wouldn't leave her house and they had kids. And I mean, it, it put everything onto him. He had to do everything. And if they did have to leave the house, she literally would get drugged up. If she, like if she had to go to the doctor or do anything like that, she would take all these drugs so that she could walk out her door without having a complete you know, meltdown, a panic attack, a meltdown. It destroyed her children's lives. She never went to anything that they did. She wasn't there for them for anything because she couldn't leave her house. It destroyed my uncle because he didn't have a wife that could participate in life with him. All she would do was sit in the house. Right? I mean, she would just sit in the house and be, it's absolutely not okay to entertain fear. Now, let me make a distinction here. I'm not talking about the good kind, you know, the normal kind of fear, like uh, there's a snake, don't walk over and play with it. You know, that's just common sense. You're on the third story, don't step off the side, okay? That's, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about that kind of fear, but I'm talking about the kind of fear that comes over ridiculous things that stop you from living your life. Yeah. Or that creates so much tension and anxiety in you that you can't rest at night. And we all have the opportunity. We all have the opportunity. Now, let's talk about another derivative of that. Let's talk about anxiety. Now, the definition of anxiety is to be uneasy and nervous about an event, person, or problem I cannot control. Let me ask you something. What good is it to be nervous about something you can't control? (laughs) I mean, by its very definition, that's kind of dumb, isn't it? I mean, honestly, what, what good is it for me to be anxious and nervous about something that I cannot control, right? I hear so many people dealing with anxiety, so many. Like, you can turn it on, you can hear so many drugs. Do you have anxiety? It, it, it's the beginning of this not being able to leave your house and stuff. You get fearful of being, it, and anxiety literally, literally takes on the form of they're afraid of being afraid, 
In other words, they don't want to go anywhere or do anything because they're afraid that they'll have the anxiety attack. So now they've become afraid of the fear. They become afraid of the feeling of the anxiety that could come on them. Right? This is, this is not cute. <laughs> it's not cute. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Let's put that up there real quick. It says, be anxious for what? Nothing. Nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So the Bible has told you, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious, right? Now, I want you to notice something. It says, be not anxious. Whose choice is it? Yeah. We get to choose. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about how do we choose? What do we do about the feelings when they come? I'll get there in a minute. Just hang tight with me. <laughs> I'm going to take you there. But the Bible, that, that, that says you, you, you don't be anxious. You be anxious for nothing. Amen? Okay. Anxiety is a nasty little tricky thing. Because anxiety, while you're sitting around worrying about all this stuff, you're creating such stress in your body, okay? You can't control it anyway. And because you can't control it, it ends up leading to depression. Oh, that's not just my word. That's the Bible's word, Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But what? I want you to mark that. A what? A good word makes it glad. A good word makes it glad. Now I'm going to talk about where we get some good words. Amen. We're going to talk about that. Your body was never designed to carry the stress of fear and anxiety and worry. As a matter of fact, neuroscientists like Caroline Leaf, and some of you are familiar with her, and if you're not, I encourage you to go watch some of her stuff. You'll learn a lot. You'll learn a lot. She's a Christian neuroscientist. But she says that our bodies literally are only wired for love. Well, that makes perfect sense since we were meant to be in in communion with God and God is love, right? Well, anything else that's not of love, like anxiety and worry and all these anger and so on and so forth, it wreaks absolute chemical havoc on your body. Absolute chemical havoc. You're not supposed to walk around. You was not you 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 just weren't you weren't designed for it. Okay? What about worry? Worry. Now worry is to mentally dwell on difficulties or trouble. Chronic concern. That's what it is. Chronic concern. Does God have anything to say about that? Yes, he does. Let's go to Matthew 6:34. It says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. See, worry, worry is, 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 is it goes both ways. You're casting backwards and looking about, well, what about this? And what about when that happened? And what, and what, and and, and forward, what am I going to do if that happens again? And what are we going to do about that? And what am I going to do when this happens? And what if that happens? And, and, and so on and so forth, Right? God told you don't worry about tomorrow. He said don't worry about tomorrow. Amen? Second Corinthians, how, okay, before we go there, let me just say this. 
How then, how then, because it comes to all of us, this fear and worry and anxiety, the opportunity comes to everybody, like I said. We all know that we, we, we face things that to our natural eyes and in our natural circumstances can cause us to want to feel fear, right? Well, the Bible has a lot to say about how we deal with that. Remember a good word, a good word, amen. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, now listen, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So I just gave you the, the big key right there. It, 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 look, it won't just go away just because you're like, oh, okay, well, I just shouldn't, I just shouldn't feel that way. Well, there's a lot of things we just shouldn't do, but we do them unless we replace them with something that we should do. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but thoughts don't just disappear because I say, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't think that or I shouldn't feel that. No, I, I have to replace it with something else that I should think or that I should feel. And I have a sneaky suspicion that y'all, y'all are like that too. It's not enough to say, I just won't think about this. You'll think about it. You'll think about it endlessly, won't you, Pastor? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what am I going to think about? Let's look at Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now I want you to notice it started out with whatever things are true. True. Now listen to me. Facts are real things, but they're subject to change. As a matter of fact, your facts change all the time. As a matter of fact, I could walk outside right now, and it could be sunny and hot, and that's a fact. And then I could go out 30 minutes later, and it is cloudy and raining and cool, and that's also a fact, right? That's a fact. The truth is, is that your circumstances or your facts are not truth. They're not truth. If it does not line up with what God said, then it's not truth. It's just a fact that you're facing. It's a fact, but facts are subject to change. They do all the time. They do all the time. Amen? So he said, think about whatsoever things are true. That's the weapon. Remember, we're going to take, we're we're take it captive. We're going to cast it down. We're going to bring it into subjection to Jesus Christ. Right? We're going to think about whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are good and lovely. Where am I going to get those good and lovely and true things? Revelation 12, 11 says, And they overcome by the blood of the Lamb and what? The word of their testimony. The word of your testimony. Put Hebrews 4.12 up there. 
For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner, here it is, of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Amen? So my weapon, my weapon then is the word of God. That's where I'm going to get my true and pure and lovely things that I'm going to think about. But it's not enough for you just to think about it. If it's my sword, which I just read that it is, do you know that if I have a sword, no, it's not mine. This is mine. Mm-hmm. If I have a sword, <laughs> you never know. If, you, if I have a sword and I sit it here on the table and I look at it, and I go, isn't it pretty? I like that sword. Pretty sword. I like it. I have a sword. I'm going to think about this sword. I think this sword's sharp. I think it's nice. It's, it's, it's real leather. I like it. It's nice. Listen, it ain't doing nothing for you. A sword works because you pick it up and you skillfully wield it. And do you know sword fighters, they don't, they, they're not born sword fighters. They have to practice. They have to practice wielding that sword so that they know how to joust with the enemy. So that they're ready for the defense and for the and for the forward attack. They're skillful in their footwork so they know how to get around the enemy. Do you know that your word does you no good? lying on your coffee table. You can look at it and think, man, that's really pretty. That's nice. And I do like my Bible. I finally bought myself a real leather one. And, you know, I like it, but that's not going to make it work for me. I can admire it. I can tell you all the virtues of it. And I can, I can think about the fact that I have it. But until I pick this thing up, I put it in here, I get it in my imagination and then I wield it. And how do we wield it? We speak. We speak it, right? Let's look at Romans 10, 8. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. It is near you, in your heart and in your mouth. We are in a... a word of faith church right here. Amen. So everybody is familiar with Mark 11, 23, and 24. How do I get rid of the mountain? I speak to the mountain. I tell the mountain to go. So, 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 so it's no good for me to sit around and, and just think about how I wish that things would work out and how that you can't go into your battle silent. You're going to lose every battle that you go into silent because you're not wielding the sword. You're not wielding the sword. The way you wield the sword, the word, is you put it in your heart, you put it in your mind, renew your mind, and when those arguments come to you, oh, you know what? You're facing financial disaster. You're going to lose everything that you own. You're going to be living in your car. What do you say to that? What do you say to that? My God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I consider the lilies of the field and the sparrows of the air, how my father clothes them and feeds them, and they don't toil or spin or gather into barns. Not one of them falls down that my father doesn't know it. What am I doing? I'm taking authority over that thought. I'm casting it down, and I'm bringing it into subjection to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's not enough just to say, I shouldn't think the thought. You have to bring it into subjection. 
And bringing it into subjection is not trying to just ignore it. And by the way, let me just go ahead and give you a key here. This is true for anything where you're trying to deal with your mind. Any emotions. This is how it's done. People try to stuff their emotions away. They say, well, I just won't feel that way. Oh, you will. You'll still feel that way. You'll, you'll want to not feel that way. You'll feel guilty for feeling that way. But until you take it captive and cast it down, you'll continue to feel that way because you haven't replaced it. You haven't replaced it with a true, lovely, and perfect thought. You haven't taken it captive into obedience to Christ. So you'll continue to feel it. People get in trouble like this. They try to just stuff things down. That's part of where the anxiety can come from. If you're a person who stuffs all your feelings back and tries to just get busy and don't feel it and ignore it and you think that you've dealt with it because you've been able to put it out of your head while you're busy doing 25 other things. But here's the problem. All of us go to bed at night. All right? All of us have to have a turn-off moment. And whoa, what happens then? Then you're in your bed with your head going, and you're like, shut up. Hey, you know, I got to go to sleep here. What in the world? Well, you know, that doesn't work. I've tried it. I've tried telling myself, shut up. Shut up, chattering brain. Stop it. But it doesn't work until I start putting the word in my mouth. It doesn't work until I put the word in my mouth. I have to take it captive. I have to take it captive to the obedience of Christ. What did God say about your situation? What about that diagnosis that the doctor gave you that sucked the air out of your lungs? By his stripes, I was healed. And if I was healed, I am the healed. Oh, I thank you. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Don't forget all of his benefits. Who forgives all of our iniquities? Who heals all of our diseases? Amen. I, you got to take it. You got to take it captive because these things right. want to niggle at you. They want to. They want to terrify you. The Satan, Satan loves to terrify you. Yeah. That's his favorite thing. He loves it because he knows that you are a powerful being made in the image of God. Hallelujah. He knows that, and he knows if he can capture your imagination, he's got you because you'll create what you think about. You will draw to you the thing that you're afraid of. It's a biblical concept. It's a fact. Conversely, while you're wielding that sword and thinking about what the Word of God said about that situation and imagining that, you will also attract that. So it's worth the effort. It's worth the effort. It's worth the effort. And it is a battle sometimes. Listen, I'm aware of that. I'm aware you're over here and this thing's coming at you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, okay. And you will get your Bible out and you open your mouth and you speak to it and you fight with it. You pray and then you get some peace for a little while and you're like, okay, okay, I've dealt with that. Then you lay down at night. And yeah, 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 blah, 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 what, what if, and how come, and what are you going to do, and what about, and oh, what do you do? Okay, okay. Get the sword back out. And you go back, you go back to war. You go back to war. And you get up the next day. 
and you're feeling pretty good till you get to the bathroom, and then you remember that you still have this thing over here that you've got to deal with, and your brain starts all over again. And once again, you'll have to open up your mouth. Do not grow weary in well-doing, because you shall receive the reward if you don't grow weary. Do not grow weary. Do not grow weary. Do not let the enemy... Do not let him take a victory that's not rightfully his. That's right. Jesus died to give you all of those promises. Amen. He died to make sure that you could be healed. He died to make sure that you could be prosperous. And listen to me, listen now. It's the whole elaborate plan of, of, of the cross, of the crucifixion, of the resurrection, all of that was God's idea because he wanted to be your father. He wanted it. It's not that he has to be your father. It's that he wants to. And the fact that Jesus healed you, you would not even know it unless he wrote it in the word for you to find out. He's, it's his idea. It's his idea. Prosperity is his idea. So what am I saying to you? You're not in there trying to twist God's arm into believing his word. You're in there talking. He's trying to talk you into believing his word. It's just the opposite. It's not him trying to make you believe it. Why do I tell you that? Because the Bible also tells us that we labor to enter into rest. So here's the oxymoron. While you're fighting your battle, you're also staying at rest. (laughs) (laughs) You're wielding your sword with your mouth, and at the same time, you're calming your emotions, you're calming yourself down, and you say, no, no. No, no, this battle's already been won. It's already been taken care of at the cross. All I have to do is believe and stand in it and wield my sword. I'm wielding my sword. I stand in that victory that has already been bought for me. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, now, let's look at 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. It says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to what? Life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. He has already given you everything. Now, I love what it says here. That it, it just stood out to me the first time I read it. He said life and godliness. See, it would have been amazing if he just said he gave you everything pertaining to godliness. But he, he made a division there for us. He said life and godliness. Meaning <coughs> that the things that you're going to need here, he's already taken care of that Amen. too. Not just, not just your eternity, not just the things that make you, uh, you know, a good, a, a, a good witness or a good uh, example before, not just the godly things, but the life things. He cares about the life. Yes. He, he cares about our life. And he said, I already made the provision. But notice how it comes to you through the knowledge of him who called us. By glory and virtue. You need some knowledge about what he's given you. You need some knowledge about what's in your word. What, if you don't pick it up and you don't renew your mind, you don't have anything to fight with. 
you don't know where to find it. Now, don't get in condemnation if you're right there. Pick up your Bible. Start marking the verses that matter when, when, when pastor's preaching, when I'm preaching, when just whoever, whoever's preaching. When they call out a verse you like, mark that thing down because I guarantee you, you're probably going to need it. Hallelujah. Or we wouldn't bother standing up here and telling you about it. Right? If God laid it on any of our hearts to bring it forth, it means it's something that you may need somewhere along the way. Amen? Okay, now, I'm pretty much done, but as I was, as I was writing in really huge letters, the verses that I changed to that song, you know, I rewrote that song to be a faith song instead of a doubt song. <laughs> uh, I came across these um, this poems that I had written, I'd forgotten all about these. Um, okay, honestly, I was trying to write a song, but for some reason, this thing happens where I can never write a song. I only write poems. I don't know. Okay, so. Huh? Something. Anyway, I found this poem, and I thought, wow, I wrote that back in, like, 2006. Uh, I forgot all about it. And I thought, hey, that kind of goes with what I'm talking about tonight, so I think I'll read it to you. It's called Faith. More than some poetic words upon a page, God's precious book is the story, story of our faith. This life will bring sorrow and great trouble to some, but God has promised this world is already overcome. We are pressed, but not crushed, persecuted, but don't despair. God, your heavenly Father, knows, and he tells us he cares. So what is it, little children, that worries you so? God our Father says that not a <coughs> excuse me. God our Father says that not a sparrow falls that he doesn't know. Now God has told us that we're of more value than these, and so you can be sure he's heard your fervent pleas. We are already more than conquerors through what Jesus has done. Yes, the victory is ours. The battle has been won. So stand up, little children, and pick up your shield of faith. Then lift your hands to heaven and give God the praise. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Well, it is now 8 o'clock dead on. And if pastor wants to add anything, then I am going to. And if not, then y'all can be super happy. I just gave you a little bit of a break. And usually I'm the one who holds you late. Don't get used to it. Don't get used to it. That's for sure. All right. Everybody repeat after me. No fear. No fear. Here. Fear. Amen. 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 God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Amen. All right. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you that fear does not have any place here. And we are able to overcome and defeat it because you overcame and defeated it. And we thank you for that. Now, I pray for each and every person here as they go forth, Lord. I pray that you'll bless their week. Bring them back safely in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give, 
to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.